Hello and welcome to the This Is Reno podcast. I am your host, Bob Conrad. We are back with a new series of four brand new episodes, one of which will be released each week for the next four weeks. If you are a This Is Reno subscriber, and I hope you are, you can listen to the whole series right now. Just head on over to thisisreno.com and click the sign in button to get access to all subscriber content. This series features Reno's creative outlets, including music, art, and literature. University of Nevada student Carly Savageo is our reporter who recorded these episodes last fall. The second episode is about Reno's art scene. Please welcome Carly. Reno provides a unique atmosphere for material art. With a mixture of international influence due to it being the last urban stop before the Black Rock Desert, the vast playa where Burning Man settles annually, its close proximity to the Bay Area, and the Nevadan influence, the art in Reno certainly has its own look and appeal. I started exploring what the Reno art scene was all about by first interviewing Jacqueline Lampson, who organizes shows for local artists. She is also a marketing specialist for Park Foray. I've done three. Um, the first one was tiny and in, in a little cafe, but the last one was 2017, and it got larger. Um, There's about 200 people and I got 12 artists involved. I marketed as much as I could, tried to get the community out there into the community. But yeah, I got about 200 people and it was great, great success. I personally would love to help market other artists. Um, It's really hard to market yourself. And since I've been doing marketing for about seven years, I'm learning how to build yourself up and say my artwork is worthy of someone's money. Um, And I think that is the hardest thing to do. Yeah. (laughs) And then in the community, it makes it unique. It makes it beautiful. I know that's a pretty standard answer, but it really makes it beautiful. And um, even all the murals going up, that's amazing. It gets everyone to be able to see art without just going to the museums or um, art shows or anything. So everyone can enjoy art. I then went to homage to interview Eric Brooks and Geralda Miller, the co-owners of ArtSpot Reno, an organization that promotes local arts and events. If you have stepped foot in downtown Reno, you have most likely seen the art of the Reno Mural Expo, sprawled across the sides of hotels and casinos. The project included two international, 12 national, and 16 local artists who created murals of everything from flamingos to cherries to women shrouded in black smoke and everything in between. I sat down and talked with them about this project as well as what ArtSpot Reno is all about. Uh, Actually, ArtSpot Reno was a business that was started by another business in town uh, owned by um, Sam Strimmel on Dickerson Road, Uh, but she really wasn't doing much with it, and so I asked her if I could take it over, and she gladly said, excitingly said, yes. So then that's how we we pretty much, she was focused on Dickerson Road with the business and promoting the arts on Dickerson Road. And so we decided that there was an opportunity to showcase and promote the arts of all of Reno. So that's how we began and changed it. You know, I've I've lived here since 2002 and really... um, you know, didn't have the business in the other cities to, but in just looking at this and comparing this, I'd say that, you know, we're very lucky to have 
this business here that is showcasing and promoting the arts of Reno. And uh, I'm sure that other cities have something similar, uh, but, uh, and I'm not quite sure, I don't really know of other cities that have like a something in particular like this, but I think that this is something that is quite special and unique to Reno. People who have come here uh, from other arts agencies, arts organizations who have come to Reno are very impressed with what we're doing here and how we're doing it and how we're promoting the arts of Reno. Uh, do you guys think that like, having Burning Man so close, it ha influences the art here? A hundred percent. Yes, it does. Uh, we're lucky to be the gateway to Burning Man. I, I started going in part due to Geraldo's influence uh, when I first moved here six years ago, and I've gone every year since. And Geraldo, and I, I volunteer uh, for the Artery, which is the group that places the art, and I give mm -hmm. tours out on Playa. And Geraldo writes the script, and she gets to know all about the art. Uh, it's the biggest art festival in the world. A very creative, playful, uh, not this interactive art where you become part of the experience, so you're not just looking at things. And I think that's definitely influenced people who have moved here as artists, and it's influenced the artists to uh, come. I know it's changed my art. Right, and we've also seen that, um, I think we're seeing more artists moving here. Um, actually, there's a arts organization out of the Bay Area now that is moving closer to Reno because the cost, the price uh, to rent and have a space in California is so expensive. So, you know, because of that, we're, we are seeing more, more Burning Man artists who are a, either staging their art here before it goes to Reno or and actually building their art or building their art here uh, before it goes out to the playa for Burning Man. So um, I think that, yes, you know, it's definitely uh, a huge influence, uh, let alone also there's the economic impact of having so many burners that are coming into the city and spending their money here. Um, and, and also look at the city of Reno and the fact that um, the city has purchased uh, how many pieces now art uh, that was on the playa, Portal of Evolution, Leave Sign, you know, the Space Whale, uh, the... Uh, the cosmic star, the cosmic thistle, which is down, uh, down uh, south, southern, south Reno, uh, just some of the few pieces of public art that are now here uh, and uh, being showcased here in our city. I also asked them about the term Renaissance that has been going around during these interviews, which means the growth of art in Reno over the past five years. Yes, I mean, I do. I have seen some growth in the arts here, but I also think that we have a lot of room for more growth. Uh, and and, and I, I'm kind of even beginning to think that we're at a plateau right now. And um, we really need to get some momentum going to grow even further. And that... What does that entail? When I look at, uh, for instance, visual art, when I look at the number of galleries that we have here in our city, it seems as if the number has decreased in, has. instead of increased. And if we are really 
going through a renaissance, then that number should not be decreasing. We should have some wonderful, beautiful, exciting spaces to show um, visual art. And we really don't have as many now. I think in the last year, we've actually lost how many spaces? Gallery spaces. Three? Four? Some of it's the gentrification that's happening. So as Midtown and everywhere is spreading, uh, things get more expensive. There's not people in town who are coming downtown to buy local art either. So there's a lot of people collecting art and a lot of people with money in Reno, but they're not buying art from Reno. So there's a big education process that we've been part of along with people at the university and the museum and people who do run some of these smaller galleries trying to uh, showcase the local artists in the best possible way and get people from South Reno to come downtown. It's a struggle. Yeah. I'd say, you know, we've got opportunities and a big challenge ahead of us. I think it affects our community, for sure. It also hurts the artists. Uh, we've had a lot of amazing artists who move out to a bigger area because they can't make a living here. And so it hurts our entire community to be losing really strong artists that way. And there's a quality of life issue, too. You know, going to a gallery and experiencing that art in that way is super influential for everyone. I'm a huge, that's been my main focus, is probably the last six months to a year of having asking people to start stepping up and not just doing it by buying art and participating uh, by going to Reno Little Theater or these other venues for culture. Uh, it's time for the city to, to step up and really start giving the arts more money. And along with the big corporations that are moving in, uh, they need to be influenced by our influencers to start giving money to the arts as well. We should have an amazing, we do have an amazing public art collection, but it could be a million times better than it is. Mm -hmm. Right, especially, you know, you've got businesses coming in here like a Tesla, like a Switch. You know, you've got Microsoft, you've got all these, you know, large businesses uh, and, and their employers coming in here. Uh, those businesses, uh, I would like to see them even doing more to put a stamp on Reno uh, as an arts destination. You know, they found it uh, appealing enough to come here and bring their businesses here. It's time for them to also show that they believe in this city, want this city to grow, and want this city to be an arts destination. Uh, EDON is worth talking about. The Economic Development Association of Western Nevada courts these big businesses to move here, and they're using the arts as a quality of life reference to get people here, but they're not paying one penny to the arts. So that's, I think they're huge, and they should be the ones influencing these other businesses to start donating to the arts and creating that capital. I then went to the Sierra Arts Foundation to interview Maria Partridge, the executive director of Art Tech, an incubator space located near Mayberry Park. So it's almost like an incubator space that then actually has evolved into creative businesses. So that actually consists, so Art Tech actually consists of 61,000 square feet of warehouse space. Um, out of that, we have a small section that's been devoted to the nonprofit. 
Um, and so uh, the nonprofit has really been working very closely with Burning Man to create things like the Playa Art Park, which is in downtown Reno on Virginia Street between 5th and 6th. So the idea of actually um, bringing uh, Burning Man ethos out into the world and actually bringing the Burning Man art to Reno and, and creating community gathering spots. We don't want to just plop the art down as public art. We really want to have it be more about community. And so um, one of the things that Art Tech does is actually um, create special events um, that can happen um, in the Playa Art Park or can happen, uh, we also run Reno Art Fest, which is, uh, we'll block off Virginia Street between 4th and 6th um, in the middle of July, July 12th through the 14th during Art Town. And we'll have over 50 artist tents, and we'll have a creative zone for, we call it kids of all ages. Mural Marathon by Circus Circus will be happening. And then um, we'll have a hula hoop jam in the Playa Art Park. And then we'll have a fire festival that Controlled Burn will be putting on that Saturday night. So really, I want to say that Artec is really about um, community collaboration, um, and, and trying to take that and put it out into the community in order to um, make art more accessible, more interactive, more community-centric, and less kind of esoteric academic. Mm-hmm. The art scene in Reno is, is just blossoming. I came here, wow, almost 20 years ago and felt like I had moved to a cultural wasteland. I thought, really? I'm from the Bay Area. What's happening here? And you can either be the kind of person that complains about that or you can actually be one of the people that tries to change it. So I became involved with the City of Reno, the Public Art Commission, or I'm sorry, the Arts and Culture Commission, the Public Art Committee, um, and liaisoning between Burning Man and the city to start bringing the art of Burning Man to Reno. And um, it just felt that in the last 10 years, there's been um, the rents in the Bay Area are ridiculous. Um, The Burning Man event has become global. Uh, We have a lot of people who are coming through Reno in order to go to Burning Man. And so they're seeing Reno as this place where they can afford to live, they can have a studio space, or they can be part of a maker space. Um, And therefore, it's bringing a lot more young, creative people to the city, which is, you can see it everywhere in terms of the murals that are going up, um, the community events that are happening, places like The Generator, places like Art Tech, places like Reno Artworks, artist collectives. You never saw any of that. Rio then recommended I talk to Lauren Huft of Artspot Reno, a gallery on Dickerson Road, a street that is lined with buildings that are painted vibrant colors and strung with lights weaving parallel to the Truckee River. Reno Artworks started by two guys, Eric Shapiro and Pam Pandoja, and they started it as basically a place where they just wanted a warehouse where they could make art, and then they started inviting their friends to come and make art, and um, and then uh, Eric wanted to make it a nonprofit, and Pam didn't, from what I understand, and so Pam went off and he started the Potentialists, and they are a for-profit collective, basically the same as us, except um, they have a black box theater, whereas mm-hmm. we don't, and then 
I was looking for studio space and Eric asked me if I wanted to come here. So I did. And um, that was two years ago. And at the same time, Eric was leaving here and going over to the generator. And so uh, when he stepped out, I stepped in because it's just what happens. Oh man, the thing about this community, from my perspective, is that we all celebrate each other. It's that um, if somebody gets a job, a, a paying gig of some sort, I'm really happy for them. I don't look at them and think, oh, how come it's not me? Instead, I celebrate them. And with the city of Reno also using 2% of bed tax to go towards art here, it's our tourist base that's paying for the arts. Um, there are people who come through Reno, see the type of artwork that we're doing here, and want to come back. And so like, we have some really amazing Burning Man artists that are here. Uh, Jeff Schomburg is here. He's the person who did Believe with his partner, Laura Kempton. He, in fact, he's just up the street. He's, um, his studio is known as The Letter Factory. He's here um, down the street from us is um, Mikey Burke and um, Mike Mechanic. They are both fabricators for Burning Man artwork. We have the generator. That all came out of Burning Man. Um, we have Art Tech. That came out of Burning Man. So we have these places that come, came out of Burning Man. Now, Reno Artworks, we are not a Burning Man place. I go to Burning Man. There's one other artist that goes to Burning Man. That's it. That's in here. So the way I feel is that we feed the other needs of Reno that are not burners, but are still artists. But oh yeah, it has definitely influenced people here. Mm -hmm. Very much so. You know, what it is you want to do. Mm -hmm. You know, there have been times where I've woken up at three in the morning and thought, I got to go. I got to get into my studio. I have to work. So influences can be any place, you know, the perfect cup of coffee, the um, best sunrise. I mean, we have the most amazing sunsets here. How can that not influence you? After the interview, I asked Lauren to show me around where I saw the works of several artists including the makings of the show Color Me Better, in Lauren's tie-dye workspace that was plastered with several works of art, including a newspaper clipping about My Love Letter to Elaine by Peter Hazel, a giant sculpture of daffodils that Hazel made for his girlfriend when she said Hazel never wrote her love letter. In awe by the effort and beauty, I then asked if they were still together. Lauren laughed and said no. That weekend, I returned to the Sierra Arts Foundation to talk to Brienne Stayange, who is creating Impact for the Gallery, a project that showcases several artists from the Printmakers Conspiracy, a group that creates vibrant printmaking in Reno. I sat with Brienne while artists filed in on a rainy Saturday to turn in their prints for the show. So the Printmakers Conspiracy um, was a group for a long time in Reno. They kind of disbanded. I'm not sure what happened. Um, it kind of sounds like interest faded within the group and... Um, they just stopped meeting and doing things together. Um, but it's recently been revived um, uh, by uh, Teal Francis, who's a grad student at UNR, um, and um, Candace Garlock, I'm pretty sure, is assisting her or had assisted her in the reformation of the group. Um, we reformed the group, uh, I think it was at the beginning of last winter. And it's people who like to practice printmaking. Um, there's students, there's professional artists, there's working artists, there's teachers. 
there's retired people who like to make art. Um, it's just people who uh, like to do printmaking, and it's all different forms of printmaking. The theme is impact, mm -hmm. and my idea was the impact that our, our current political situation is having on my life and my mental mm -hmm. well-being and, and the way that I, I'm, I'm living my life and the things that I'm doing. And what a lot of people took from it is more of an environmental impact mm -hmm. that we have. And, and there, there are some political pieces. There's a lot of environmental uh, justice pieces. And then there's a lot of abstract as well. Something that sums up the importance of art in society, as cliche as it may sound, is that bumper sticker that says, Earth without art mm -hmm. is eh. I think that it's important at all age levels, at all walks of life. Children benefit so much from art. It's the first way that they communicate. They're, they don't have words, but they can take a pen and scribble on a piece of paper, and mm -hmm. it's art, right? Yeah. I don't have aging or dying family members, but if I did, I would try to help them through art. Mm -hmm. um, art therapies and art, like, helping people psychologically through art, there are amazing ways for people to heal. Due to the struggles of making money in art, Brianna is planning to go back to school to maybe study nutrition, but will continue to do art shows. Then I went to the Nevada Museum of Art a giant black geometric building that sits in Midtown, to talk to Amanda Horn about the history and mission of Nevada's only accredited art museum. So the Nevada Museum of Art was actually founded in 1931. At that time, it was the, the Sierra Nevada Art Gallery. Um, so the museum has evolved as this community has grown in response to the community's needs. And um, by the community now, we don't just mean Reno, Tahoe, but it's really we service the entire state of Nevada. We are the only art museum in Nevada that is accredited by the American Alliance of Museums. And that's significant because accreditation puts you in a, a kind of an elite category when it comes to our museums. You go through a rigorous procedure, you know, they the accreditation committee and process looks at everything from your you know financials to the way your board is structured the way your board works with your staff um, the back of house sorts of operations the way that you handle your art the kind of cooling and heat mechanisms and the temperature controls you have in your building and um, what it does is that categorization enables you to borrow significant works of arts from other accredited art institutions like you know, the Met, the MoMA, the National Archives, you know, mm -hmm. when we brought the 36 star, when we did the 36 star and brought the Emancipation Proclamation here, we would have never been able to do that if we did not have that kind of status. This building uh, was built in 2002, um, and so we went through iterations, several iterations before that. This building is modeled after the Black Rock formations that arise out of the Black Rock Desert. And so our architect, who's from Phoenix, Will Bruder, kind of took a nod to the landscape, which is important to us. And when you actually look at a profile image of the building and you juxtapose that with the Black Rock formation, they almost are identical. It's really kind of cool to see that. And I, I bring that up because it's an, that really illustrates um, kind of what we consider to be our core identity here at the museum, which is broadly this 
focus and the connection of art and environment and interdisciplinary thinking. And that has been true also since our beginning. So the museum was founded by Dr. Church and Mr. Cut. So Dr. Church, for whom the Church Fine Arts Building is named at um, UNR, was a professor of humanities and also an amateur sort of explorer. He used to uh, ascend Mount Rose often, um, and he actually developed the system that is pretty much still used today to measure the water content in snow. And um, he devised that system. And so he was obviously a nature lover, very involved and invested in the in the environment, kind of at the forefront of climate science. And he was good friends with uh, Cutts, who was an art collector. And then also we had like the Latimer Arts Club that um, would go and spend time and do watercolors outside and plan our painting. So it was this love of the landscape and art and that kind of interdisciplinary connection that really formed this institution. And that has the kind of DNA makeup, if you will, has informed how we have grown and really has informed what our identity is that enables us to be relevant even in an international stage. I mean, this was before my time here and also in Reno, but when this building was built in this area, it really kind of was a an anchor, mm-hmm. if you will, to the kind of the growth of California Avenue, the growth of the re- revitalization of downtown and midtown. It really helped, you know, things grew around the museum. To have a cultural anchor of this caliber, you can kind of see how that helps other parts of the community to grow. We look at that role um, as important. You know, we are a fine arts institution that has a very strong identity. We're very cognizant and true uh, to our place and how we let that inform the way that we think about our scholarship and our exhibitions, but then we also like to look at how that plays into bigger sort of global conversations, right, and how we can make those connections. And that is really the service that we can provide to the Reno community, and we like to be able to be of that service. We are a public square Mm. where people can come and gather and exchange ideas and uh, from all different viewpoints, right? And so I think I answer it that way because for us, that very much relates to the bigger Reno arts community and uh, kind of what's happening here because we hope that we can provide a place where people can be inspired and also can congregate to exchange those ideas and then can go and, and create and do other things. And I think we've seen that over time. You know, one of we have several hundred really community partners that we work with any given year and uh, we look for partners that have are doing unique things and that can benefit from uh, sort of the anchor that we provide and um, what can we can help each other in that sort of way Uh, the Holland Project is a great example of that you know we've been partnering with the Holland Project for a decade or more and those relationships are instrumental to us you know I mean by supporting the youth arts and what they have going on and then being a place where uh, Holland can we can co-partner on events that can happen here so there's a lot more space and you can bring more people in but it's sort of like an incubator in that sense you know and um, from that other programs are born we work with uh, every year we have like teen open studios where kids come through and get a mentor that they can do have to shepherd through for several months for art and now we've you know we're at a place now where we have 
kids, well, young adults who are working here um, who went through those programs, who went off to art school or um, museum studies in New York and other places, and, you know, they say that they were inspired to do that because they grew up coming to this place. And that is really just, you can't ask for anything better, which is really cool. Um, But there's a lot of vibrant things happening in the community, like with that, with Holland, um, Sierra Arts, we partner with them, particularly in the education space. Uh, we partner with DRI, Desert Research Institute, again, from that interdisciplinary angle with our education space as well. Every year, we um, are the manager of the Northern Nevada Scholastic, the Port Scholastic Art Awards for Northern Nevada, which is a national competition, but we manage the Northern Nevada component. And that is always, I think, a, a good kind of pulse on what's happening in the Reno mm-hmm. and across Northern and Eastern Nevada community at large, because these are kids that are growing up here, and the, every year are the submissions, the number of art submissions increases. Every year the work gets better. Every year there are more awards given. And so, again, that's a great kind of pulse on, like, what's really happening sort of under the scene because they have great educators that are continuing to help them. They have this place they can come to. They have Holland. They have murals now in a town that are, like, everything that's sort of growing around them that's helping to inspire and, and nurturing the work that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And for me at least I think that that's a great um, indicator of what's happening in the community at large you know being the the only uh, in a state has its challenges because when you don't have a a community that is a museum community people don't really know what to expect right and so they don't have anything to compare against and um, that's good in some ways because you can kind of design it to be whatever you want. Um, it's challenging because people sometimes take it for granted, you know, mm-hmm. like that's like, oh, it's always been there. And so they don't really sometimes don't really fully appreciate how good it is and the depth of what is happening here and how that kind of relates to um, how it would how it would stand up to bigger cities or larger mm-hmm. institutions or the significance of some of the scholarship being generated from a global perspective. Our art gives us permission to look at things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, it, not even just differently. It gives us permission to look, right? It gives us permission to ponder and to step outside of our comfort zone. You know, I think that sometimes, that, you know, art can either provoke and can help to uh, inspire new thoughts or challenge assumptions, challenge people's um, paradigms, and push against what people are comfortable with and, and like the status quo of their own sort of life. Um, it can also inspire with breathtaking beauty. Um, but I think that, that that's really the value. I mean, it's without art, not just visual art, but performing arts, um, musical arts, you know, arts, uh, literary arts, You, we are machines, you know, and I think that that truly is that sort of makes a difference. It's the expression of what one might call the soul. Throughout my exploration of Reno's art scene, I made several trips to the Generator, a makerspace that currently houses several projects, including a giant head of Maya Angelou that just came back from the Smithsonian, and a giant pair of hands that are being welded in the same style as a space whale that resides downtown. While there, I interviewed an artist who was working on a big project. My name is Scott Fraley. Um, at the Generator, people know me as Plasma. Um, how'd you get that nickname? Through displaying an immense amount of energy, helping other people at Burning Man uh, set up their work and live their dreams. 
This is the Key Bearer Project. It's a storyline of ancient key bearers that are coming to Earth from another world and they're bringing with them these large crystal-like structures and they're reaching out to the community to take aluminum donations and forge those donations into magical playa gifts, which are going to be pendants. The key bearers are going to be out there looking for people, going above and beyond, doing amazing things, and that person who maybe just needs a little bit of hope that might not have belonged to something before. And we're going to give people a key and instruct them to come to our central gathering area called the Courtyard of the Key Bearers, where they'll be able to play a little game to see what lock their key opens and in turn receive a gift and ideally spend time in the central gathering area while they're trying to figure that out so they can overlap with other awesome people and potentially form meaningful connections that could last the rest of their life if they're lucky and who knows maybe their significant other or the next edison and ford from you know a world-changing perspective would be ideal in the way i'm looking at it and we're inviting anyone to be a part of the project so if you're going to a venue that we're going to Bring gifts, bring locks, attach them to the project, take the keys out, and go out there and find people to gift them to for whatever your reasoning is and help us form the highest level of interactivity with the project that we can by them overlapping with one another. On a different trip to the generator, I interviewed Jerry Snyder, a lawyer and president of the board of directors at the generator. So we provide a space for people to make things. We provide you know, the physical space. We have a 30,000 some foot warehouse and we have tools. We have a wood shop and a metal shop and a sewing room and, you know, various other tools. And we, we try to make those things accessible to anyone who wants to make things, whether they're an experienced craftsman or a rank amateur or whatever people want to do. We try to provide a, a space for that to happen. Our memberships are $50 a month. When we started out, it was just free. Walk in, do whatever you want. It That's that's not really sustainable as a business model. We, mm-hmm. <laughs> the landlord doesn't doesn't give us rent for free and bad energy charges for our power and whatnot. So now we have a few different tiers of memberships. You can get a shop membership where you can use all shops. You can get a, you know, just sort of a drop-in membership. Um, or you can have an actual space membership where you hold a uh, a certain amount of area and there's some people who have you know who run a business out of here and they have defined areas we've had um we've had good luck with the membership model we've had a lot of people sign up we're not you know we still are heavily reliant probably two-thirds to 75 percent of our budget comes from an individual donor um so we're heavily reliant on that i think we've been very successful in terms of making a space for people to make things you know, it hasn't always gone smoothly. We're always in a con- in a process of trying to define what our mission is. Many Burning Man projects build here, but as far as a relationship with the organization, we're, I mean, it, you know, we're certainly friendly with, with people in the organization and with the organization as a whole, um, but we don't have any any kind of formal contractual or or uh, other relationship. I suppose we do. We do. We do have one contractual relationship. We provide some CNC cutting services for some burning man things and whatnot. So we'll we'll have some some things like that. But we're not like, you know, sponsored by them. I don't think Burning Man donates any significant amount of money to us. You know, everyone everyone uh, has opinions about each other. Certainly. Can you talk about just the Reno art community as a whole, like what it's like? 
<laughs> I don't know. I mean, my perception of it is it's a lot of fun. It's um, it's a, it has this very DIY spirit, which is great. There's a lot of, you know, there are certainly people here with formal art training um, in the generator and in Reno as a whole. And there's a lot of people who have no formal art training who said, I want to be an artist. And so they start making things. And, um, you, you know, I think that's a, a really interesting kind of community, very cool space. It's, you know, it's also very insular. Everyone knows each other and, and, that, you know, everyone, everyone, uh, has opinions about each other, certainly. Mm-hmm. I asked about the recent resignation of Eric Shapiro as the development director and the news surrounding his resignation. In March, artist Jamie Crush, after learning that Reno police had closed the investigation of her rape accusation against Shapiro, posted on Facebook about the reported rape that happened in 2015. This brought attention to the case as well as the lack of policy the generator has on sexual harassment and misconduct. Yeah, um... I can to some degree. I mean, as certainly the circumstances of that are mm-hmm. largely a matter of public record. Um, we found out um, on, you know, at, at some point, I don't remember the dates, but one Sunday evening or Monday evening in March, we found out that someone had, you know, very assertively and publicly accused him of raping her four years ago, um, which had been, he was an employee. That the incident occurred before he was employed by us, but um, you know, we as a board we discussed it. We looked into the underlying allegations and facts, conducted some limited. I don't even know if I can call it an investigation, but we, you know, we we gathered what information we thought we could, and ultimately asked him to resign, and he did. Um, can you talk about how that's affected the art community in Reno? I don't know that I can. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 you know, there has been a lot of discussion um, about that event. There's been a lot of discussion about what we should have done. Um, some people say, you guys did a great job. Some people say, that's awful. You, you know, those accusations were unfounded. You shouldn't have fired him. Some people said, God, you should have fired him. It, you know, I mean, there, there's, everybody knows how to do it better than, than we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I shouldn't say everyone, but, but you, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a, it was, a, it's, it's a, um, it's a difficult circumstance and it requires the kind of judgment call that people are going to second guess. Um, and so they did. Um, and that doesn't, you know, whatever, but that's, that's, uh, I would say that's why I get paid the big bucks, but I don't, I've, you know, this is volunteer. There's been circumstances in the past to be honest, where we're like, we really need to figure out how to deal with this sort of thing. And then, you know, all our board members are volunteers. Our staff members get paid, but they don't get paid much, and they have a lot of work to do. And and we never, you know, we never really put our minds to, to figuring out what is what is our policy, what sort of procedures do we have. And and this has really been a kick in the ass that way because it's it's encouraged us to look at this and try to put together... Um, some sort of formal set of policies, and we're talking with some other arts, arts organizations and trying to figure out, well, what do we do here? What do we do here? What's the best way to handle this? And my hope is that we can, you know, in the next few weeks, come up with a sort of sample like, this is this is how we think we should handle this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, get public comment on it. What do, you know, what do people think? What, do, what, do, what should we do different? What should we do the same? 
um, you know, and, and hopefully as a result of that, we'll we'll get something that's useful both for us and for other, you know, arts, arts organizations in the community. Thank you for listening. Please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your audio stories. As always, thank you for supporting locally owned independent journalism. This series was edited by Holly Hutchings. Please visit us online at thisisreno.com.